Well, hey, good morning, Exchange. I hope you are well. If you want a passage to turn to, which I hope that you do, uh, it's 1 Peter chapter 4. That's where we're going to be uh, this morning. And uh, we are doing our best to bring uh, kind of a recap to a sermon series we began all the way uh, a few months ago in August called Welcome to church. And so what we've been doing for the past few months is looking at uh, what, the, what the Bible says about church. And, and also we have been reformulating what it means to be in community here at Exchange. And so uh, if you've been tracking with us, I hope that you've been able to kind of connect on some of the, uh, the messages that you haven't been here for. Uh, if, if you're new to us and to this series, this is a great uh, week to kind of recap the last three months of sermons in uh, only an hour and a half. So um, just kidding. We're not going to be an hour and a half, okay? Uh, so, so I want to tell you a little bit about where we're going uh, over the next couple of weeks and how we're going to bring this series to a culmination. And I want you to be thinking through this as we think um, and pray through and read through Scripture this morning. Uh, so before we get to that speedy review, uh, so next week we're going to spend some time thinking through gratitude for the Lord's provision for us. I'm excited to take just a moment and, and we're kind of retreat back and really push ourselves to not just uh, think about Thanksgiving in a week or a day, but also push ourselves to, to posture our minds and our hearts there all year long. In the following week, December 3rd, we're going to have a time where we uh, commit and recommit to this community with our five new current members. We're asking that you pray through these commitments and ask the Lord for wisdom on your ability to continue in community here. And since we've changed our membership commitments just a little, really not changed anything, we've simplified them, uh, we're asking through that every member re-engage here. So we're asking every member rather than every family uh, to, to sign a recommitment form if that's how the Lord would lead you uh, in a couple of weeks. And so at the end of the service on the third, we'll celebrate just like for you these commitment forms uh, with the membership agreements on those and each member will sign that if the Lord moves you to. Uh, and as you come for communion to take up, uh, you will also lay that down. And so on the form, uh, there will be a few different options for you to sign or check off uh, because we want to invite conversation and dialogue through this process. So one of those will be uh, after prayer and careful consideration, I affirm these membership commitments that and put that down. There's another that says after prayerful uh, prayer and careful consideration, I still have questions about these commitments and would like for a pastor to reach out uh, for conversation. You can check that and sign that. Uh, it would, another is after prayer and careful consideration. I'm choosing not to reaffirm my membership here at Exchange and would like a pastor to reach out for conversation. There's also another if you're in process or you've been here tracking with us. Uh, to say after prayer and careful consent on uh, forward towards community here at Exchange. 
Uh, and so there's, there's opportunity for you to raise questions, invite dialogue, schedule conversations. We also have another open forum this Tuesday with our elders uh, at the Flex Place at seven o'clock. And so that is open for anyone to come to with any questions that we have been talking through for the past few weeks. And so our hope is that this would not just be something that we would say, oh, our church is doing this, so I'm gonna sign here and do this. But we're literally, we're asking you as you check something off and you're signing it, that it all starts with, I have prayed about this. I've sought the Lord's guidance on this and this is how he is leading me. So whatever he is leading you to and however he's leading you, we want it to begin with prayer. So commitment is a, it's a big deal, no matter what it is. And I'd say committing to a community of people is more important than buying a car, more important than committing to a team. And so we're asking that you pray about it. Let me start with this passage in Galatians chapter six, Paul writing to the church of Galatia. He says this, let's not become discouraged in doing good for in due time we'll reap if we do not become weary. And so then while we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are in the household of faith. One of the things that we've said often through this with others is sometimes very difficult. The very fact that he warns us not to become discouraged or become weary means that there's a, a great chance that we can become discouraged and become weary. It's one of those things uh, like when you're leaving your house and maybe your kids, uh, you're, they're earning your trust and the ability for you to stretch that time out over time, right? And so uh, before you leave, before you lock the door as a parent, you might go to them again and say, hey, remember, uh, don't use the oven while we're not here. Hey, remember, and you give these little prompts because you know that there's a good chance that a fight could break out at any moment, right? And so you say these things in warning to say, hey, listen, don't do this. Why? Because you know there's a good chance it could happen. Paul's doing the same thing. The Lord through Paul and the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, don't become discouraged and weary when it's tough and difficult. And life with people isn't become weary, stay the course. He's giving us these instructions because he knows it's not always easy. And I believe he says, especially to those who are the household of faith, especially to those who, that you're in community within. And we can do that not because of our level of commitment, because we started with this all the way back in August. We, we can commit to the church because Christ has committed to the church. We, we can commit to community together because God is committed to the church and community together. And we're uniquely com, uh, committed to the church as his vehicle for his mission. We talked about uh, 1 Corinthians 12, the body, and Ephesians chapter 5, the bride. And there are only two institutions that God has ordained, the family and the church. And the two work together. He said that the husband and the wife would point to Christ and the church. And the church's love for one another would point to God's love for the world. He's committed to the diversity of parts, to emphasizing the value in each one. Notice what 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse four says. It says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are a variety of ministries, but the same Lord. There's a variety of effects, but the same God who works in all things, in all persons. Watch this, but to each one, he's given the manifestation of the spirit. For why? For the common good, for us together, for the community. Ed led us through this sermon 
An incredible thought, he, he said this, that God is committed to our growth. He's committed to using us as part of something bigger than us. And he's committed to putting himself on display through the church. Do you remember this? That God demonstrates his commitment to the church and that's what fuels our commitment to the church. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus asked the question to his disciples and he says this, who do you say that I am? He asked this after he takes them up to a mountain and he says, who do others say that I am, right? The answer, and Simon Peter answers his question. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter and watch this. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And, and here's a promise. He says, and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overpower it. It's a bold claim that Christ himself, God in the flesh, that will come against the church and prevail. He didn't say that, that nothing will come against the church. He just said that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It doesn't matter who's elected. It doesn't matter uh, what happens in the world. It doesn't matter where our culture's going or the political structure that we follow, all of those things. I'm not saying those things don't matter. What I'm saying is that in partition, in, in, in the church cannot be overtaken. The church will not fail. It's guaranteed it. And the question is, is do you want in on that? I mean, which one of us... Um, if you had the, the opportunity to travel back in time with the knowledge that you have now, with, with some cash in your pocket, would not choose to invest in stocks that you know have been very lucrative. Maybe you think to yourself, man, if I could be 93, like if you could travel back in time, uh, maybe you think, okay, Apple stock. Uh, Apple stock, if you made a $10,000 investment in, in 1993, would be worth about uh, almost $10 million today. Uh, maybe you took a second look at Amazon in 1997, made that same $10,000 investment. It would be worth almost $18 million. But the largest stock of all time, it surprised me, uh, was actually monster 1,000% increase. If you made a $10,000 investment in monster in 1993, it would be worth almost $20 million today. I mean, which one of us, if somebody, if like, you know, if you had that time machine and you had that much cash, or maybe you didn't have that much cash, you just had that knowledge in a week, which one of us would not spend every minute we could trying to dig some cash up from our pockets to say, what I cannot pass up, but what, which one of us, when Jesus, the son of the living God says, listen, the church will not fail, which one of us decides to say, but it's just not something I want to be a part of. I mean, Jesus, the son of the living God says, this is an investment that's worth your life. And so we start clearing our pockets. We start clearing our schedule. We start clearing the clutter from our lives to say, what, how can I invest more of my life here in the community of believers that protects my soul and pushes me towards this greater relationship with Jesus? 
And this is the basis, this is the foundation of our commitment is God's commitment. Because if he's not committed to this thing, neither should we be. Neither should we be. It's a terrible hobby if God is not in it. The second thing we talked about is this, that those who lead the church have a weighty responsibility and commitments to the church. The mainstream of culture of the church right now says that a pastor needs to be the front man for their social media on top of their personal brand. They need to be an excellent CEO, fundraiser, motivational speaker, counselor and therapist, marriage and parenting expert, theologian, political correspondent, and sometimes medical professional. But most of those aren't outlined in scripture. Instead, we gave our prominent responsibilities of our pastors here at Exchange said our pastors will be committed to prayer and study of scripture as demanded in scripture. Our pastors will be committed to equip the saints for the work of the ministry as demanded in scripture. Our pastors here will be committed to feed the church with theology through scripture as demanded in scripture. And our pastors will be committed to feed this flock, our flock, as demanded in scripture. In 1 Peter chapter 5, he says this, pay attention to the flock that God has given you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. And as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering in those in your charge, but being examples. Live in such a way that you can say, follow me, he says. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. If you have questions about those commitments, the commitments that are passed. The third thing we talked about was the church's commitment to members, to one another, and that it has eternal consequences. How we live among one another has eternal consequences. You remember this passage from the mouth of Christ. He says this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you that you would also love one another. And this, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus gives the world a license to judge us if we know him based on the way that we treat one another. And so we talked about this, the church must be committed to loving one another with radical forgiveness. The church must be committed to encourage one another in the faith, the church must be committed to speak differently to and about one another, and the church must be committed to pray for one another. Later on in, in, in uh, the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 17, Jesus says this in a prayer that he's praying to the Father. We have, we have very little prayers written from Jesus. But this is one. And this is what he prays. He says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are one in me and I in you. Watch this, that they may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus' prayer is for unity, and he gives a reason for that. He says that the way that we demonstrate unity and love for one another will demonstrate to the world the love of the Father that he has for them. I would say it this way. The way that we love each other has eternal consequences. 
The way that we care for one another has eternal community together is extremely important. How we commit to living with one another has to be something that we're intentional with. And sometimes I wonder if, if Paul or, or Peter were to write a letter to the modern day church, what they would say. And as I was searching scripture, I, I found a passage that I think was written to the ancient church that pertains to the modern day church. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. We'll lose, use it for our launch pad and our landing today. And he says this, and, and the end of all things is near. The purposes of prayer. And above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sin. Remember, he's warning us and pushing us to do something that he knows goes against our human nature, right? He's telling us to do something that isn't easy. Keep fervent in your love for one another. Why? Because it's easy for our love to fade. He says, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another with those that were prone to complaining. And as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of a multifaceted grace of God. Why? Because he knows most often our human tendency is to take our gifts and serve ourselves. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who's speaking the actual words of God. Why? Because he knows our words can sometimes be dangerous and harmful. Strength of God that supplies so that in all things, here's the goal, so that in everything that we do, God may be glorified through Christ Jesus to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the reason why we do this, he says. This is the reason why we're committed to things that go against our human hearts, our minds, our emotions, our tendencies. This is the reason that we choose to be committed to one another because Christ will be glorified. And so we've been spending the last 10 weeks talking about how we will do this in many ways, but the five membership commitments that we have been outlining, I'm going to go through them quickly. The first we talked about, I commit, these are the things that we're asking you to pray about and sign that says, I have prayed about this and God has given me clearance to move forward in commitment to community at exchange with these in mind, these five things. So we would say, I commit to pursuing community and embracing accountability. I commit to pursuing community and embracing accountability. Hebrews 10 verse 24 says it this way. He says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds. We talked about the intentionality behind this passage right here. How do I stimulate someone to love and to good deeds. The people that God has placed in my circle, maybe the people that are in my small group. That means I'm, I'm thinking forwardly. I mean, how, how, do I, how, do I, how do I bless Bradley Kubler this week? How do I push him closer to Jesus this week? With maybe something that I say or text or do. I'm, I'm thinking about him. He's my friend and he's someone that God has placed in my life for my good. So the commitment here is to say, arrows out. You talked to me today when I came into church and I sit down and, and I leave and I think, well, nobody did this, nobody did this. Then the question is, is, did we? 
right? We talked about this idea of being connected and what it looks like to be committed and connected. And he says this, not forsaking and assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And he says, as as the day draws near, as, as the culture comes towards us, we swim upstream together. We said, would you be willing to schedule and to calendar nights for the year? Would you be willing to look at your calendar through 2024 and and pick days or pick nights where you say, this is an exchange night for our family, meaning we will have someone over to our house for dinner this night. And I will call whoever I have to call and how many people I have to call to do so. And that looks radically different than than just going through life and saying, oh, it just happened, right? It's planning, it's for people at exchange. We said, would you, would you consider talking to someone that you don't know on a Sunday? Would you consider looking around and saying like, who haven't I said hello to today? Who haven't I pursued today? And so we commit to pursuing community, embracing accountability, arrows out. The second commitment is this, that we commit to submitting to the care, correction, protection of the leadership at exchange. That, that means direction that the, that the elders see fit to take exchange. And again, I, I want to remind you that this was only a topic and only a commitment that was easy to preach for me because I have learned the benefits of submitting to my pastors the other elders at exchange. If, if I were the single and only pastor, this would be difficult for me to say. It would be difficult for me to do. It, it would be asking you to do something that was, is, is for someone and isn't for others. So the other elders in my life, the other pastors in my life, I submit to their care, correction, and protection as well. Which scripture demands Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, he says this, obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. And let them do this with joy and not grief for this would be unprofitable to you. So I will say that there is, there is a, um, a moment here where um, I'm looking forward to that, the, the December 3rd, we, we kind of regroup and we come together and we say, you know, who's in the flock? Who's in the flock? Why is that a comfort to me? Because scripture says that, that those who say I'm in this flock, I will give an account for your souls. And so it's, it's very comforting to me to have a moment to say like, hey, here's who's, here's who's our flock. This is our flock. And then our elders and pastors know how to shepherd out of that. So we asked you to say like the idea of submission most often requires disagreement, right? We talked about this, that there's a posture of submission that says I, am, I have this posture of submission to, and that act of submission will require disagreement. That's, that's what submission is. It, it, submission is only submission in, in disagreement, and so the question is, is how do we do that? How do we do that? When, 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 when I look at, at a direction that we're going in and, and I disagree with our pastors, with my pastors, how do I do that? 
What do I want? We talked about this and we said to, to go through some questions. We have these for you if you missed this week or maybe to send these to you. Uh, the first question is this, what is the Holy Spirit attempting to do in my life through this disagreement? We know that the Spirit uses trials to navigate our heart in places that he does not do in the times where everything is joyful and peaceful and, and, and just good. That's why James says, count it all joy when you encounter these things because the Spirit's gonna do something. So the first question that we ask in disagreement is what's the Spirit attempting to do in me? Is the gospel at stake in this disagreement? The third question we ask is, has the pastor or pastors acted in a way that's immoral or unethical? And so we say, is my moral obligation not to submit to an immoral person? Or if they've made a mistake, are they repentant? What is their posture like? Next question, before I approach, have I prayed about this? Have I prayed through my disagreement? Next question, before I express my disagreement, what questions may I ask for clarity? It's amazing what questions will do in a disagreement. Can I communicate my opinion or concern peaceably, gently, and reasonably like scripture demands from those who call themselves believers? I've prayed about this decision. So we, we filter everything through those things and then we ask ourselves this thing. Am I willing to biblically submit to the authority that God has placed in my life? That's the question. In disagreement, am I willing to do that? And you remember, we, we've talked about what that looks like to submit, especially as it, as it pertains to the next um, commitment, the commitment to protect the unity and health of exchange. So these two, two kind of bleed together and the idea that, that we wouldn't just submit in a... In a um, I would say maybe disrespectful or obstinate posture or action where you say, okay, I'm gonna do this, but I'm gonna wait for it to fail. Or we say, I will do this. Hey, 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 I'm really sorry that they're making this choice. I'm really sorry that they have chosen this way. Sowing discord and disunity while we claim to submit. That's, that's not what we do. We protect that unity and say, hey, I get it, but, hey, I get it. But for 10 years, for 10 years, our pastors have, have proven that they love us. They've proven that they're willing to do difficult things. They've proven we can use this chance to trust them. Maybe we can use this opportunity to go to them with questions, with our concerns. Maybe we use this chance to go through that filter to say, hey, can we have conversation about these things? Maybe this is the moment that God is using to, to grow us together. 
committing to protect the unity and health of exchange. Romans 14, nine says it this way. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. We pursue three says, therefore the prisoner of, as a prisoner of the Lord, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, which you've been called with humility and gentleness and patience and showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity and the spirit and the bond of peace, being diligent, intentional, you guard it. It's not that you're passive in it. We, we're diligent to preserve it. We guard unity. This is not, I would say, I wanna be careful to say this. This is not brand loyalty. This is not like whatever exchange says or whatever the pastors say, that's what we have to do. We have this, I hope that those of you who have been with us for a long time or a short time, have seen the willingness to engage in conversation. Where, where we say, hey, like we get that we're saying some things that, that might be difficult. Let's talk about this. Through this series, we've, we've op opened like the office all of If you don't have my email, I put my email up on, on the screen every single week. And most weeks, I don't think I said it today. If you have any questions about what we say, email me, call me. If you don't have my cell phone number, I'll give it to you as soon as the service is over today. We invite conversation. And our hope is that we shepherd you in a way that's good for your soul, but that we shepherd the, the whole of exchange that's good for the glory of Christ. Paul writes to Titus in chapter three, verse nine, he says this, avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law for they're unprofitable and worthless. And as for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice have nothing to do with him. So he literally says, avoid a person who's known for dissentious conversations. Knowing that a person is warped and sinful and he is self-condemned. So we talked about some ways that we commit to protecting the unity and health of exchange. We protect it by refusing to engage in worthless controversy. We protect unity by refusing to be a safe place for divisive people and divisive conversations. So this is tough, right? We, we talked about this for a while, but scripture says, after warning them once or twice, avoid them, have nothing to do with them. Why? Because scripture understands, the Lord understands how dangerous it is. Our hearts just become a little squirrely sometimes and the enemy uses it. We talked about this. Divisive words only have a power when they find a safe harbor in divisive ears. Divisive words only have power when they find a So we commit to unity by refusing to listen to divisive conversations. Next, we talked about the commitment to share my time, resources, and gifts towards the mission and ministries of exchange. We commit to praying about what the Lord would give us and, and use in our lives. Uh, Doug did a fantastic job of talking through what it means and what the difference is it's between being an owner and being a steward. Do you remember this? I hope you do. Own Doug, help me. Owners have... Rights, okay, Doug was listening that day. Uh, stewards, stewards have responsibilities. 
Owners have rights, stewards have responsibilities. So when we, when we view what the Lord has given us correctly, we have a responsibility to steward it wisely. And so what we try to do is acknowledge how difficult this is for many of us to, to, to open our hands to the things that are very difficult to open our hands to. Things like our children or relationships that we say, God, these children are yours. Man, that's hard. Man, that's hard. But what kind of freedom does it lend itself to when we open our hands and give what we love dearly to the God who loves it more? What about our time? I'm gonna, open, I'm gonna open my life up. What does it look like to do that? What about the resources that God has given us? God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. We talked about the idea of first fruits and giving God what comes first. Why? Because when we give God what comes first, we leave room for faith to build and grow. So as we issued this challenge, I would issue this challenge as it, as it concerns to uh, community here at Exchange, just uh, sharing what the Lord has given towards the ministries of Exchange. Maybe that's time, energy, talents. Maybe that's maybe you are a secret, um, you know, f- flutist or something like that. Jesse, I don't know if we've ever flautist. Okay, uh, flautist is the word. Maybe you have an incredible talent for flouting. Right. You've hit it all of these years because let's be honest, who doesn't hide that, right? Um, I'm joking, I'm joking. Maybe, maybe you decide to say like, man, Lord, I don't know how you're gonna use this, but I'm willing for you to. Maybe it's serving in kids ministry and you have kids and you spend your whole week figuring out how to feed them and clothe them. You're like, do I want to just do this one one more day with other people's kids? Maybe the Lord's saying, yeah. Maybe it's buddies. Maybe our buddy program who, who pairs one person with one of our family members who needs a little bit extra help on those days. It says, yeah, I'm gonna spend, I'm gonna spend an hour and a half and I'm gonna, I'm gonna care for this kid incredibly well. That one's tough too, right? Maybe that one's really tough. That one's crazy because the Lord actually asks for that in a way that he doesn't ask for other things. Remember we talked about this in Genesis, now before Cain and like as Cain and Abel, before there was a tabernacle to be built, before there was any ministry or missions to fund. Do you remember this? We talked about this. Before any of those were needs, God commands Cain and Abel to bring a sacrifice, an offering of first fruits to him. Why? Not because he needed it, not because anything was being built, not because of any missionaries being sent, but because their hearts needed it. In the same way, all throughout scripture, he asks us to do that. So the challenge for that is this. As we approach this new year, and I would issue this challenge uh, specifically to finances. Would you talk with your spouse and pray to the Lord? Lord, what would you have us do? Here's my challenge. Pray 
and ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have us do? Do that or so, something like that. What would you have us do? Get a word from the Lord and commit to it. Whatever, he, whatever he's asking you to do, commit to that. And say, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna commit to this this year and I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait and watch as the psalmist says, eagerly to see what you do. Make a commitment to the Lord and follow through. And then last week, engaging my circles as a full-time minister. It was mostly forgettable. I'm joking. I'm joking, right? I'm sorry. Had to. Had to. I was so proud of the way that, that Ray led us through that passage last week. He talked about this, and I loved this, that our, that our mission is one of action. Of action. Why? Because God is of spreading his good news. We talked about that we live in that responsibility as a privilege and as a new citizen of a different kingdom. We live in a new citizenship with a new name, with a new purpose, with a new mission. And God has called us to share in his mission through our life of action. Have you, you've probably heard, it was, it's been a while since I think, I think um, proper theology has, has stomped this phrase into the ground. Rightly so. You probably in the 90s or maybe like early 2000s maybe heard a phrase like always preach the gospel and if necessary, you guys remember this? Use words. <laughs> That's like saying always feed the hungry and if it's always necessary, it's always necessary to use words, always, always. And Ray talked about even last week, here's the challenge. Would you consider God praying, God, would you open doors and help me see the open doors for the gospel? Do you remember this challenge? He said, would you even, would you start there and say, I wanna be on mission with you? I don't have all the answers yet, but would you open for where you're at? Meaning if maybe you need to, to learn a little bit more, maybe you've got questions. Maybe you, you know, I don't have all the answers. Do you think that when you pray, God, would you open doors for me to share the gospel? He's gonna open the doors of like someone who has all the questions you don't have the answers to yet? Or do you trust the Lord to open doors that you have the ability to walk through? Maybe we just start with that. Lord, would you open doors for me? Scripture tells us to do these things, to commit to these things. I wanna read back 1 Peter 4, verse seven, as we close our time together. He says this, that the end of all things is near, therefore be of sound judgment, sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. And above all, he says this, and above all, keep him fervent when your love for one another. His love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. That's to each one received a special gift, employing it faceted grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who's speaking actual words of God. Whoever serves is to do it as one who's serving by the strength that God supplies. All of these things, I think what he's saying are difficult. They're hard to do. They're not hard to do one day. 
but they're hard to commit to as a lifetime in community. They're just difficult. Have you ever um, maybe watched a documentary on, uh, I mean, they put these guys through just unbelievable, unbelievable stresses of life. I think in the week they sleep something like seven hours or something like that. And there's, there's a bell on the beach that they allow and they actually encourage these prospects of the Navy SEALs to go and ring. And once you ring the bell, your hell week is over. You have a meal and you have a bed ready to sleep, right? And what they do is, is they encourage you to ring this bell all week long. When battle, when things get very difficult, we'll quit. And so the whole week when it's really, really difficult, they say, just go ring the bell, man. Hey, listen, we've got pizzas in the tent ready and hot. They're waiting for you. There's beds there. Just ring the bell. Just ring the bell. Go ring the bell. Right? And they're, they're taunting them to quit. The enemy often taunts us to do the same. When things get difficult, when things aren't easy, when things have conflict. He says, just ring the bell. Just ring the bell. One of the um, difficult, more difficult hikes that we've made, Jan and I, a few years back, went to Yosemite and uh, we were hiking up this, this trail and the, the problem is, is this, there's, there's not just one place to look at everything at the top. There's several along the way. And so what happens is, is you will get to one place and people are like out of breath. They're like hugging their knees. And then it's like, okay, well, I've seen enough. I'm going to go to back down. And so as you make that turn to the stairs that are like, you know, they're carved into a mountain. And so it's like, you know, you're getting way up here and everything hurts and you're out of breath and the elevation's high anyway. And then for some reason, the, I don't know if it's the Lord or Satan himself. It's, it's debatable in this moment. Someone comes along and they're like, it's totally worth it, man. It's totally worth it. Keep going. Dang it. I want someone to say in this moment, there's nothing to see above there, right? That's what I desperately want inside. But when they come down and they say, it's totally worth it. You're like, all right, well, I'll go to the next one. I'll go the next one. Why? Because there's a goal in front of me that I'm trying. He says this, so that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever. And so Peter says, man, when it gets, like we're headed towards the bell. And Peter says, whoa, hey, there's something greater. There's something better. God's gonna do incredible things and he's gonna get glory in this. It's hard and difficult. And when it has all kinds of the hurdles, Christ is glorified. Jesus is honored. And why does that matter? Because glory and honor belong to him. Glory and honor belong to him, they're his. And so we get to be agents where we bring creation, bring our frustrations to him and say, Jesus, you're greater than this. You're bigger than this. 
You have power to help me pry my hands and white knuckles off the things that I idolize most in this world. Comfort and control. You have it all. So the question is, is do we have our minds and our eyes on the prize? I would invite you. Lord, we're incredibly grateful that you choose to use us in our brokenness, with pride, sometimes and oftentimes ill-equipped for the, for the task at hand. And you have chosen in your providence and your wisdom to use us people instead of the rocks and the trees and the rest of creation to declare that you are worthy of honor and glory. And that you, Jesus, have given us peace with God. And so, Lord, I pray that the way that we commit to community together would bring that honor and that glory and that would show the rest of the world that you have loved them. Lord, would you also, the places our hearts are squirrely on or hard in, maybe the places that our hearts are hurt in, would you push us, Jesus? gently like you do, for our good like you promise. Lord, would you help us see you in this? As we continue our time, we have this incredibly good opportunity to remember today the reason for our hope and the reason for our commitment not to quit on community is because Christ did not quit on us. Who humbled himself by even death on a cross. So we have the opportunity together to celebrate what us to remember in this way. And so today I'm gonna ask as Jesse plays for us, we're gonna have a time of reflection and I'm gonna ask for you to simply reflect, God, God what, what do you wanna do in my heart in these places? What do you wanna do in my heart in these places? Maybe also open yourself up to the Holy Spirit's guiding in other places. Maybe he's, can you need to, to get straight with God before entering into this moment. We would say the table is open for everyone here today if you are pursuing a relationship with Jesus, if you're in relationship with Jesus. So we're gonna open our time of reflection. And during that reflection, I would remind you that we have prayer partners in the back. And maybe maybe there's something that the sermon brought up in today. There, Maybe you came in with just a heavy heart, something else on your mind in your life. Our prayer partners are waiting and willing to engage with you in prayer. We would invite you, they'll take you back through the black curtains and have just a moment with you to pray with you. Trained prayer partners. In this time, I'd, I'd like for you to, to just spend a moment reflecting on God's goodness to us.
asking him where to push our hearts as we celebrate the Lord's Supper.